Good morning, Alfred DaCosta, your host, Living For Him. Hope you're doing well this morning. Today's show will be um, centered around this laptop sitting in front of me with question number 16. That says, if group health benefit levels are too high, what could be the end result? A, underutilization of the plan. B, overutilization of the plan. C, normal utilization of the plan. Or D, adverse selection. Please type your answer below. The correct answer will receive an emoji. So, today's big test day, and I'm trying to go through this cram session. Prayers appreciated as... Um, It's uh, long and tedious, and it's not even that I doubt that I know the material. It's really just the length. Like, when I look at the bottom of the screen, I see 1 through 39, and that's not even all of the questions. It's like 1 through 63, and so I become disenchanted, and I I start to just uh, become lazy with it. And so I almost have to, like, pray in between questions. Um, pray when I look down and see and get discouraged or when I get one wrong because it tells you the answer immediately that I don't let the wrong answer of the previous question influence the the care and that I take in the next question and it's been working I'll tell you what Um, God is good but uh, one of the things I I kind of um, laugh about is you know we, we talked about I think a few days back about the coolest job in the world being a person who names paint colors. And um, I think another interesting job position would be a person who comes up with, with, with silly answers to questions because you know we all know the right answer so you could make a question but there's it's it's multiple choice and so who is the guy that comes up with those other three answers because i mean they're not just willy-nilly they are very well put together nonsense i'll just say that and so there's there's got to be a committee because you can't be the guy putting together a test knowing that answer is A, and now you need three nonsense answers that make sense to the person. Um, There's got to be a committee out there that comes up with this stuff. So that's what I'm going to be doing, and the test is today at 2 o'clock, so I have to leave here early. And um, so I'll uh, call you back, or call you back, (laughs) I guess because I have the phone in my ear, so it feels like I'm calling you back. I will get back at you, with you, and let you know what the result was, and know this, I am um, in Christ, I I am, whether I win, lose, or draw, I am okay uh, with the result, because it'll let me know, should I pursue this course, and go through this type of job, because it is a riskier kind of job, I mean, I'm familiar with the work, I'm confident in it, it is business to business kind of insurance, but I just... um, not God's will, I'll tell you what, I want nothing to do with it. So, thanks for listening this far. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm headed back to uh, go and uh, take this test, but you've got to listen in on Victoria's Station 
because we've got this discussion going on between Dewan, myself, and Victoria about music and how it affects us and influences us and how it doesn't influence us. And so, uh, well, this next clip is a little piece of that, um, hoping uh, for them to check it out. So, check it out. <laughs> So I'm going to have to thank Dewan for this one because soundtracks are amazing and the instruments and the epic feel of it. And then I'm going to take from what Victoria said, where she says that you give yourself permission to feel. And so now I'm going to combine that mood that you were in this morning, not wanting to to clean or do whatever projects you had to do and combine it with giving yourself permission to let epic music get you there. So check it out. The kitchen is a mess. And no one else is there to clean it. You're tired, a little frustrated and unaffected by some of those positive songs that try to convince you to think otherwise. But with this epic song, you realize something can be done. So you reach down, and you reach down deep to a place, a reserve, an untapped strength that you have never ever used before and so you rise and you walk into the kitchen and you grab that bottle of Dawn's soap and you turn on the hot water because hot is what describes what's about to happen you start washing the dishes and suddenly one dish becomes two and as you wash those dishes, you decide, you know what? This floor could use a good sweep. And so you don't just sweep, you sweep like never before. You grab the dustpan and you sweep up the dirt and you see a dust bunny or here or there and you decide, yeah, you're no match for me. I'm gonna clean this floor and then I'm gonna dust those bunnies like never before. Ah! Well, friends, if you've been uh, following along, I am here to report that which has transpired here as I sit in my car in front of the building into which I spent probably about two and a half hours of my life. I am sitting here with a piece of paper. That's all I have to speak for all of that time I just burned in there. And you're probably wondering, how did it go? Well, I'll just put it to you this way. I have yet submitted myself to another temptation that one's worth and intelligence is 
measured by their ability to answer multiple choice questions. And if you are thinking what I am thinking, you are thinking correctly. I did not pass that test. You have to pass with a 70%. And I have passed with a 60... I didn't pass. I passed with a 60... I failed with... And you use the word fail, by the way. Let's see. 67%. So 3% off. And I'm speaking to you right now with a smile on my face. So the guy in the car next to me looking at his paper maybe gets the impression that I, I passed. And so at least someone is getting the illusion that I am a winner, despite the fact that I am, well, what the paper says, a fail. So I am not um, disturbed by this. I, I sat in the cubicle and I, I said a, a little word of prayer. And I said, Lord, you know, this is, you know, whether this goes or not, I am, I want to be okay. So I, I, I prayed. The only thing I'm worried about is, you know, my wife, I, she's not, you know, the type that's going to be like, what? Oh, no. You know, she's, she's very supportive, but, you know, she, you know, the whole guy thing and, and trying to be the guy who is the, um, you know, the, I don't know how to describe it, the, the breadwinner and his ability to go out and forage and bring back meat, I guess. Um, I'm a little bit, um, I don't even know, I'm not ashamed, I'm like, I just don't really want to go tell her, I, I feel like, um, I feel like maybe what the paper says, just slightly, but, I mean, I know better, isn't it funny how your brain, you know, you, the, the match on that, um, it just, you know, you know better, but you still feel a certain kind of way. But, nevertheless, um, I'm okay, especially because I've been having a lot of fun on Anchor today. So, that helps to, um, to kind of dissipate some of the dross. And, uh, and so, I'm headed back. I'm going to hit the road. I'm going to put this phone in, the, um, in this nifty um, um, gadget thing I bought at Walmart. Um, it holds the phone. Um, it, it latches onto your um, car vent, and it's the most one of the most ingenious inventions I've seen. It's one of those infomercial, you know, the infomercial section at Walmart. Um, it was there, and they're trying to get rid of them for like three dollars a piece. And I bought like two because the world doesn't understand how awesome these are and how um, necessary they are for your life, even listener. Um, Anyways, so I'll be tuning in to you while I drive and, and mourn, and I might even buy myself a milkshake, you know, um, maybe to kind of, uh, yeah, escape in a, in a milkshake, and it rhymes. So anyhow, uh, I want to thank you for tuning in, and uh, actually I do have something I want to post. I, I got a couple of call-ins from Kurt. So I think I'm going to post his uh, maybe before I leave the parking lot, after I tell my wife. So anyways, uh, stay tuned. Coming up next, I've got Kurt weighing in on a previous broadcast. If you did not get a chance to listen to it, it should be in 
my episodes archive. I believe the title of it is Family Feud. And um, he's weighing in with um, just some things that he also relates with um, in regard to um, relationships and marriage and, and adversity. Stay tuned. Hey, Alfred, my friend. I just wanted to say thanks so much for being so honest and transparent with us, the listeners, man. Just getting a real look in your life and hearing how God is redeeming your future one day at a time. But I will tell you, man to man, married 15 years, love my wife, very, very, very successful relationship. Women are nuts. God bless him. I mean, that's exactly how he designed them. He designed them to be nuts. But, and I don't say that as, as a, a negative. It true, and I truly don't mean any disrespect to your wife. But, you know, especially in times of great uncertainty, like you coming up on the end of your contract, her starting the new job, like all that insecurity and uh, lack of understanding of ne- what's next, man, it just wreaks havoc on a woman's mood. So it's really on us to really just be okay within ourselves and to have the confidence of direction for the family independent of them. I mean, to their credit and, and, and in their defense, so to speak, it is on us to lead the charge of the family, to have the clear direction, to know where we're going. And when things do get like, well, we don't really know what's next, it brings out the crazy in every wife. It's it's not even a bad thing. Um, for me, when I see that, and I do see that, I'm in a period of a lot of transition as well. I just realized, number one, I need to be the rock. And number two, I need to be the one with emotional control. And number three, I need to be the one to make sure that I deeply and desperately and carefully care for her because that is the role that God has given me in my wife's life. I hope that encourages you and validates you. You're not crazy. Oh, my calling cut me off. But no, you're not crazy. She's crazy. But... It's a good crazy. It's a crazy that calls us as men to actually fulfill our roles as men. And if we did our job, she wouldn't have to be crazy. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's enough of that. I really appreciate the content, man. I love listening to you. I really, really found myself looking forward to listening to your station uh, on a daily basis. And I really just don't want to miss a thing. So doing a great job. Keep it up. And I look forward to continuing to connect uh, here in the future. See you, bud. Hey, Vsauce Michael here, and today we're going to discuss deja vu. What is it, and why does it occur? You know, those moments where the current situation feels like it's happened before. You're certain it has, but you don't know when or how it became so familiar. It's difficult to scientifically study deja vu because there's no reliable way to cause it to happen in people's heads in a laboratory. But here's what we do know. Humans don't seem to experience deja vu until they're at least eight or nine years old. It's most frequent in your teens and 20s and then tapers off as you get older. So it might have something to do with brain development. In fact, we should probably go get ourselves a brain. That was easy. 
Now, like a stomach ache, deja vu may be a symptom with many possible causes. A lot of the popular theories about what causes it involve a disconnect that may be occurring between the deep structures of the brain that process our experiences unconsciously and the parts of the brain that are conscious of what we experience. Hey, Kurt, I just want to thank you for calling into the show and weighing in on that topic. I think of deja vu when I think of man and woman. I, I, I teleport back to zero, 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 zero when Adam and Eve were around. And I think of how they probably interacted. And while things were perfect, I'm sure that they had things they didn't agree on. And so I imagine what would be the organic example of a husband and a wife. And I think of how, you know, Adam was probably still wired left brain and and uh, Eve was probably um, a multitasker in whatever capacity out there. And and I think that they work well for what they do. Um but then now, nowadays, what we attribute to men and women is something along the lines of like, you know, men with like, like with our caveman egos and then like, you know, women with their, I guess, hormonal is what it would be referred to. That's kind of the, the feel I got from what we've been talking about. And when I think about those things, I, um, I asked myself the question, what is, what is man in his role and what is woman, especially nowadays in light of all the, you know, this feminist movement and that that's, you know, that's actually started before, you know, women can do a job just as well as a man, if not better, which there is a lot of truth to that. Um, and, and looking at that nowadays and seeing, you know, what is our role. I know in the Bible, it talks about us being the the priest of the household. And what does that include? I, I Some of the key phrases I heard in your segment, you talked about it being on us, or, or you said, um, we've got to have the confidence. I've heard you mention that before. You, there, there's, uh, uh, we've got to be the rock. We've got to have self-control. Things like that. And I think those do those things do add up to what a man should be defined as, I guess, in Western culture. This is something I've been trying to to find for myself, and um, the reason for that is, you know, growing up in a a single household, you know, without the father present. Um, I'm not going to say that I I lean towards having more of a, a feminine approach to things or. Um, but I do, um, I do operate slightly differently. And in recent years, I've had to depend on Christ to give me that male, um, identity. I've had to ask him quite literally, like I'll walk up in a situation. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm supposed to do something here, you know, where the guy comes in and he's like, okay, sweetie, takes her by the arm and, and encourages or, or, you know, okay, the car's broken down, you know, I, I get in there and, and get on it, you know. But I, I'm starting to see what that that role looks like more and more as I'm growing in Christ. But I, I realize that there's that danger of taking it, when you say putting it on me, 
I know that when I do that, I end up um, in a world of hurt, usually, and having to to support the decision that I made um, to to keep my my man, my hegemonic uh, male image pristine, you know. And so it's like uh, I find myself having to go to him for that identity, a because I didn't grow up with it very much, and b because as I try to experiment with it. With that caveman uh, ego, it, it ends up getting us into into further trouble when we do have um, conversations between one another. But all in all, I will say uh, I am coming into the role. I think that, you know, I do all those those things, you know, and taking charge, being the priest of the household, making sure we have worship in our house, um, you know, the spiritual health, the physical health. I try to you know, encourage, you know, just different areas, um, aside from breadwinner and, and playing with the, the boy and letting him know that it's okay to cry and, you know, um, you know, an, an excellent, you know, man in the, in the bedroom, you know, just, just fulfilling all those roles that come together, little dates and